Hello, adventurers. You have found Homebrew Heels, a Nat One Life podcast. I am one of your hosts, hostesses, hostesses, Amanda. <laughs> My sister Sarah and I will be talking you through some of the Nat Ones we've rolled in the medical health areas of our life. We are not medical professionals by any means, although I personally have watched quite a bit of Grey's Anatomy. We will be sharing our experiences, how we're advocating for our health, what the experience is like in all its details, good and the gross, the cost of the adventure, and most importantly, how we are working to stay happy and motivated through it all. So, Amanda, do you work hard for the money? I work hard for the money. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah. Well, I did. I don't work right now. <laughs> hey, but no. that's part of you me. do work. I do. I work for Nat One, and it is mm-hmm. actually the funnest job I've ever had. Right. Um, no, but you know, even more so now because I don't have a job. Um, I've really been looking at the cost of healthcare and um the cost of all of these different procedures. Um, because when I was working. I had uh, private health insurance through my employer. And obviously, every health insurance plan is very different. Ours was a high deductible plan. And so it was like $3,000 deductible per person in my family. Um, And then on top of that, you paid a percentage of the cost of the services that you were getting. Um, But I really had to look at the costs overall and try to plan out procedures. And so um, in the past, we had talked about how Washington has really amazing health insurance for people that don't have any health insurance or that are lower income or going through different like bouts of not having employment like myself right now. And or you can pretty much get anything done that is considered preventative or necessary for free. Mm-hmm. Or a sliding scale based upon your income. And so um, when I was reading through like the cost, because you get a explanation of benefits when you have insurance, they send you a piece of paper or sometimes it's, it's electronic that says, this is what you had done. This is what the cost of it was. This is what your benefit was. And so here's your out of pocket cost. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bill. It's just an explanation of what your insurance is paying. And so it was insane the amount of money that gets charged for these different procedures. If you don't have insurance or you don't live in a state like Washington, because you live in Idaho and Idaho does not have social programs like Washington does, um, to my knowledge, not as good. And you, what would you do? Like you wouldn't be able to afford to get this kind of care and potentially you might not even be able to find anybody to take you because you don't have insurance. Well, and I can tell you right now that so currently because of, uh, I believe it was the Obamacare act or what have you. So it, for those people who don't have health insurance anywhere, um, they just take a hit. They get money deducted from their uh, tax return and right. whatnot. Um, so Brian and I went not to get like too personal in the money realm, I guess this, well, I guess I don't care personally. Other people kind of get uncomfortable, but I don't care. We, so, we warned them. So I know, this is true. We warned you. We warned you. If Here you get uncomfortable, go. you can stop listening or, or fast go forward. with it because <laughs> That's where change and growth can occur when, when you feel uncomfortable. Sorry, that's go ahead. true. No, that's true. Because I know finances for some people can be really difficult to discuss either because people get uncomfortable due to the amount of people make on the high side or the low side. And mm-hmm. so then people don't know how to react. Here's the thing. I've been with my company for seven years now. Brian and I were talking about this last night. We were comparing finances of the different families and whatnot, and he made a point. I put work into this company. I put seven years into this company. Therefore, they are reflecting that work done in my pay, and -hmm. that's why it's strange to me personally the amount of money that I'm making versus the kind of work that I'm doing. 
So anyways, back to the taxes. When we go through our tax return, Brian and I are in a situation where we get money back every year. And mm-hmm. it's mainly because we have a child or because of James. Mm-hmm. And so, but we are unable to afford or we're unwilling to put the money in to have Brian's <clears throat> medical and any like insurance, medical insurance on him other mm-hmm. than the simple dental vision, what have you. Well, and and I mean, that makes sense because I know how much insurance costs at the company you work for because I worked there. Right. And for a family, it's insane Ridiculous. how much they take out every paycheck. And, and then on top of that, you have to pay your deductible and a percentage of. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying like it's worth it. We understand the risk we are taking. Mm-hmm. We and we thought about it. We Brian isn't doing any kind of like work or job that puts him in danger necessarily. And so that was taken into consideration. Yes, we do understand that if he were to get into a car accident, which is very common, that there is a chance that we could run into a financial issue. But we talked and we agreed we are willing to take that risk Mm -hmm. at this time. And going back to comparing how much our company would have taken out of my paycheck for his health insurance comparing that to how much the state insurance was and then comparing those to how much we get dinged on our tax return. Mm-hmm. It was cheaper to get dinged on the tax return. than wow. to eat Health insurance. Assuming nothing happens. Right. Exactly. And for the past seven years that I've been working at this company and that we've had to seriously consider health insurance and everything, Nothing has happened and knock on wood, fingers crossed, if you're superstitious and whatnot or karma, what have you, ideals, Mm -hmm. it's that's just how we've had to live our life. And it's scary and it's unnerving at times, but that's the reality that we're living. Yeah. Well, and as you get older, do you worry that there's more of a likelihood. Yeah, for sure. And we we know at some point he will be put on health insurance. We, there's no avoiding it. At some point, it's going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, it's just we have to determine when that's going to be. And we haven't yet. Hmm. So back to costs then so this is very interesting to me so you haven't had insurance and yet you have been going through a lot of different procedures so only brian i oh i'm sorry okay so only brian doesn't have insurance so you do have insurance and so does james then through your employer okay so awesome um so what has your because you've recently gone through and you went through a lot of procedures very quickly um so what does that look like for you it's been interesting and confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, like to this day, I am still slightly confused about what's going on. Um, I received those notifications that you were talking about where we received the letter. This is not a bill. Just to let you know, this is how much your medical facility has billed for those appointments, procedures, everything. And this is how much your insurance paid for. This is how much you may be billed. And they don't mm-hmm. really solidify it because it's not up to them to charge us. And so, right. and then once we do get those bills, um, this is the weird part. I have received bills and then I have gone to go pay them and they are no longer valid or they're no longer there. Hmm. And I don't know why. And I'm, it's one of those things where I am just waiting for the shoe to drop and to have this large amount of money 
to be all of a sudden owed. So what we're talking about is I'm looking at the cost of my um, my hysterectomy, but I'm going to actually move forward to all my emergency room visits. Yada, Watch, yada. I'm going to have a heart attack while we're on a podcast. I know. What and happened? Everybody's going to hear it. Sarah died. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's Sorry. it. Homebrew heels. <laughs> yeah. Um, here we go. So I found it. Um, so the cost of my gastrointestinal specialist pre-screen appointment was $500, $511 to be exact. Okay. The cost of my actual procedure was $1,141. Then the cost of the anesthesiologist was $630. And the cost of the pathology was $75. And then the cost of using the room at Providence was $267. So I got billed from Providence, the actual physical hospital, Insight Pathology, the pathology place, the anesthesiologist, the procedure people, which I guess is like the cost of the actual procedure, and then my doctor's time for my consultation. That all happened within two days. So all of those things, and we're talking, where are we at? $2,500. And the procedure only lasts 45 minutes. And that was for an upper endoscopy. I'm sorry. No, that was just for a colonoscopy. That was not my original upper endoscopy and colonoscopy. That was my second colonoscopy. And this is, I, okay. This is something, one of those things that nobody tells you that you don't learn until you experience it. I, I'm trying to remember what mine was. Um, I went to the doctors, or no, I think it was for James. James went to the doctor for something, mm-hmm. and I received the bill, and I thought, okay, pay the bill, we're done. And mm-hmm. then I got a call from somebody saying that we owed more money for the same visit or the same Mm -hmm. procedure and I called them up I'm like um what is this for I thought it was a scam I was like what is this for I I've already paid for this you know can you tell me a little bit more and he he was very nice and he could tell that this was new for me Mm -hmm. and he explained it to me he was like well your doctor needs to be paid what you paid for was that the the equipment or the room or like Mm -hmm. the hospital be like you paid them your doctor is separate you need to now pay for your doctor and his time I was like excuse me like does he not work for the hospital is it not the hospital's responsibility he's like no no they like he works at the hospital Mm -hmm. but he does not work for the hospital right I was like that's ridiculous yeah it's it's insane. It really is insane. And so I'm just scrolling through everything in here. And I misspoke earlier. The cost of my hysterectomy was not $1,100. That was the cost for Dr. Joy to be there. The actual cost of my hysterectomy, just the part. Now, okay, people, this was laparoscopic surgery. It was not, I'm sorry, not a hysterectomy, an oophorectomy. I'd already had my uteruses taken out before. Yes, I said uteruses. More on that later. <laughs> that <laughs> was not me. an error. It was not an error. <laughs> um, so I, it was outpatient. I was not an overnight patient. $17,000. There $17, it is. $17,039.10. Just for the hospital stay. Now I'm going back through here and it's like, okay, well then I had to see my primary care. That's $266. Just to make sure everything's good. I have an, an anxiety disorder. She wanted to make sure I wasn't freaking out. Okay. Then Dr. Joy's consultation, $1,162. Um, I had to see um, another doctor. I think maybe the anesthesiologist $324 I had to have labs done $167 I had to have more labs done $191 and then anesthesia was $2,800 so 
all in, we're talking $25,000. Holy crap. And I have now signed into my United Healthcare. Hold on, people. Sarah may be having a heart attack. It, right? It's happening right now. And That's I... It. I am looking into this and the big bill that I have been waiting for, I, it says you may owe. Yes. Does that mean that I do owe it? Well, so the reason why they say you may owe people, this is going to be a whole education on like health insurance up in this place. But that's good. People need to know this. Right. They, the reason why they say you may owe is because sometimes like for me, I prepaid a portion of my bill when I went into the hospital because I knew I was going to have a big bill. So I asked, what's the estimate? They gave me an estimate. I paid it in full and I got a discount for doing so. So Mm -hmm. the reason why they say you may owe it is because there could be, you know, you have a credit on your account from the hospital from before or you paid in cash and they're going to give you a discount, you know, whatever the case may be. But most likely, based on your insurance plan, this is what you owe. Well, people, I have about $3,000 out there that I owe then. Shit. And you haven't gotten a bill for any of it? <laughs> I've gotten a bill for some of them. But mm-hmm. this main one that's 2500 bucks, staring me right in the face right now, not yet. And I haven't received a call on it yet either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that will be coming one day. I'd be keeping an eyeball on that one. You don't want it to go to collections or some shit. No, exactly. And that's yeah. the other thing. I have already had a hit to my credit. That is a whole other story. It has nothing to do with healthcare or medical expenses or anything like that. And so, but I I cannot afford to have something go to collections and hit my credit. So right. Right. And nobody should because, you know what I mean? Like nobody Mm -hmm. should have to experience that. So what's interesting is I'm wondering, um, you know, if there's anybody out there listening that's not in America, uh, in the United States, what your thoughts are? Because I've seen some of the videos on YouTube and things where they go to like different European countries or whatever and ask about what do you think the cost is to have a child? And like their first response is there's a cost to have a child. Like why would anybody have a child? And it's like, yeah, like, and especially, you know, you, your water breaks in the middle of the night and you have to call an ambulance. And then you're like, well, I can't afford the $3,000 ambulance ride to the hospital. Yeah. And then the hospital bill to have the baby. And so I'm just curious, like when people hear this, (laughs) what their thoughts are, because To me, when you're experiencing the kind of pain and discomfort and overall malaise, (laughs) that's the right word, I'm pretty sure, um, you want help. But then there is a literal financial burden for people to go obtain that help in the United States. Mm -hmm. And... Some providers won't give you that help if you can't pay up front or can't provide that you have health insurance. So just to see my doctor, like, okay, so this one, I believe this is when uh, after um, I had the SIBO test and uh, it was like a couple of weeks after the antibiotics, I went in to go talk to him just to discuss like how everything is going and like to plan our next steps if needed. Mm-hmm. Like the total amount billed was $269. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's then, just for a consultation. Right. That was just for a consultation. Oh, yep. Here it is. Lab analysis of a sample. Uh, that was $348.96 total. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only had to pay $72. But now knowing... Only only right well and that's kind of my point you know so and for those listening I know this may feel like okay I didn't sign up and come here for a math lesson but part of a nat one life is understanding that 
you can't just go gung ho and solve all your problems overnight because like many of Americans out there, we have financial burdens and it's, you can't like, you can't go bankrupt in order to figure out what's going on with your health. And so knowing now the cost of these procedures and things like that, would you have maybe spaced them out more? Yeah. And I, talked about this in my blog post Mm -hmm. in one of my blog posts as well where I feel like I was getting uh, tired and frustrated about my gut issues like for how long I've dealt with them and so when I finally made the decision to go to a professional and to get it dealt with and whatnot and then to be faced with like situations one right after the other of not finding that answer. I'm Mm -hmm. the type of person who will work hard and constantly until that answer is found Mm -hmm. and until I get to a end result. So that's how I handled the situation, but it wasn't a good idea. It wasn't a good choice because Mm -hmm. one, it affected my health even more To the point where I'm now still underweight and I'm still having gut issues. I'm having, I started to have like mental and emotional issues Mm -hmm. and now I'm having financial issues. Like I just mentioned like 20 minutes ago that we can't afford to put Brian on healthcare or for medical coverage. And yet I have this $3,000 bill facing mm-hmm. me and I have absolutely no idea at this point in time how I'm going to pay that. All right. So let's educate people because I know some things and I want to share them. Um and this may seem out of context, but I really don't think it is. We're talking about an at one life and how to make it through. <laughs> and so this is one of those ways to do so. Um If you're facing large amounts of medical debt, any type of medical debt, it's actually illegal for them not to accept any portion of money from you. If you tell them I can pay you five dollars a month for the next 30 years in order to pay off, you know, whatever the math works out to be Mm -hmm. to pay off my debt, they are legally obligated to accept that they can. Now, a lot of states like Idaho is a great example. They'll send you to collections. They will start a process of like bullying calls and like um, you need to call us back right now. They can refuse service in Idaho. Um, In Washington, they can't do that. They cannot refuse service regardless of whether or not you have insurance. You have to be able to like if you go into a hospital, you will get treated Mm -hmm. in Idaho. They can refuse you because you can't pay. Like how fucked up is that? It's a hospital. And so, um, and I'm not saying, I don't know hospitals that do that. I just know that they can. So. Right. They're legal rights. Right. Exactly. So it's very important for people to understand that, yes, you may be getting these calls or that $3,000 bill is looming out there for you, but make it doable for you because they are legally obligated to accept the agreement, like to accept some form of money from you. They can't just say, well, no, that's not enough. That's not how that works. And so I think it's really important for people to educate themselves on how the financial business side of the medical insurance, health insurance, the medical industry, the hospitals, like hospitals and doctor's offices are businesses. They are there to make Mm -hmm. money. And so they're going to operate like a business, but at the same time, they are providing a public service. Um, and so they there's cer- certain legal things that they have to abide by. They don't have to tell you. So that's the biggest thing is they can call you and say whatever they want. You need to pay us $100. You need to pay us $100 a month, blah, 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 blah. Well, I can't pay it. Well, you need to. But if you say, I can give you $10 right now, legally they can't refuse that $10. And that is a payment. Well, and ultimately, why would they want to? Why would they want to miss out on the money that they are owed. Um, well, cause you have to think about it from like, okay, you work in insurance. So what's the risk, right? So mm-hmm. they're thinking 
if I can get them, if they only pay $10, then there's a chance that the remaining $1,500 of that bill or $1,490 of that bill is not going to get paid versus if they pay $250 or $100 or whatever I'm telling them they're required to pay, they're going to see more of that money than they may have ever seen. Mm-hmm. So it's all math. It's all just yeah. like, well, statistically, if we get them to pay this much, then we rec- we can recover 2% more of, you know, I'm making up the numbers, but you understand what my point is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they sell your debt. So that's the other thing is a lot of hospitals that are in certain areas um, can sell debt. And so they sell it off just like any other, like a credit card company or something like that. And then you'll have these third party creditors calling you saying you owe us money. Well, no, I don't because I made a payment arrangement with that hospital. And so they're also not allowed to do that. If you have paid anything towards your bill and are showing consistent payments, they are not supposed to sell your debt off. Mm-hmm. So educate yourselves, people. We'll have some information on our blog um, about your legal rights when it comes to health insurance and medical, not health insurance, because that's too complicated. <laughs> Just kidding. Medical billing. When you're just dealing with a medical facility, what are your rights? And we can post some links up there. Well, and then on top of the medical bills and on top of the doctor's visits and everything else, there's also the financial burden I personally had to withstand. I don't know if you did, but I had a financial burden when it came to the diet. And figuring out the diet, I found that so I wasn't going to put my family through the diet. Uh, That's a little unfair and they would hate me and they just would refuse. (laughs) Yeah, fast line for divorce for you, I think, if you absolutely put down with Brian, he'd be like, "Uh, no, you can go eat that bird food. I'm going to eat my Velveeta. My deliciousness. Mm -hmm. Um. But I, my grocery bill increased by like $150 a month just oh, because God. of the diet. Damn. And so what were you doing on your diet? So were you buying special food products? Were you only, you know, like what, what does that look like? Yeah. So I am not somebody who like enjoys cooking. Uh-huh. And you, I, you, by all means, I know you love to cook and you love that experience. And, and I understand why people love to cook. I just, I'm just not one of those people. No, you like to eat my cooking. I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Yes. But like the actual process of cooking, it's not like I'll do it because it's like something that we have to do. And it's more I'll, of a chore versus a enjoyment. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'll sometimes get creative in the kitchen and try new things, what have you. But so the beginning of the diet, when I went on the FODMAP diet, I just looked for pre-done items or mm-hmm either in the frozen section or even uh, the packaged goods. I, I just wanted to buy stuff that was good to go. Like they already did the work for me. I just have to eat it or mm-hmm. cook it or heat it up. Heat it up. Yeah. yeah. So I know that is like, you're paying for that service essentially, even if it's coming from a grocery store. So that increased the pricing, but then I later on flipped to the SIBO diet, which you would think like you're reducing the amount of food that you're allowed to eat. So you would think that the cost would go down, nope. but it doesn't <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're now having to uh, one with the SIBO diet, you're allowed to eat and they recommend eating meat and like proteins and whatnot. That's expensive in itself. It's very expensive. Yep. And then you, uh, I was like, okay, well, I'll get into the habit. Like I will force myself to cook my own food. I will get the raw foods and I will put everything together myself. Mm -hmm. And then you have to deal with the food going bad Mm -hmm. and having to make sure that you're purchasing 
enough food to where you're actually getting enough calories and that you're eating enough to where you become full and can last you throughout the day. So it's just, it's a double-edged sword and Mm -hmm. it's, you have to either accept the fact that your grocery bill will increase or you are going to have to get very creative in the way that you go grocery shopping. Yeah, absolutely. And I know for me with the SIBO diet and the FODMAP diet, um, because I went straight on the SIBO diet. (laughs) So (laughs) when I went on mine and I looked for a lot of substitutes to what I was already eating. So I thought the best way of approaching my diet would be, I like to wake up and have coffee with X, Y, and Z for breakfast. What could I now transition to because I can't have coffee? And so it was like, well, I can have chai tea or I can have black tea or something like that. And so I made transitions. Well, some of the transitions were not expensive, but others were. And so, and now, okay, this kind of goes back to the last podcast, uh, the last episode where we talked about, oh, well, if you, you don't have to choose to eat that, you know, you could just not choose it. And we're like, oh, yeah, but it's delicious. So stop talking. Okay. <laughs> so one of my things, and I've admitted this several times throughout the, the series here, I like soda. Mm-hmm. I enjoy drinking soda, pop, Coke, whatever you want to call it. We've lived all over the country. We call it all the things. Yep. So I was looking for an alternative for soda and I found one it's called dry um it's a sparkling soda they make different flavors I really liked they have a lavender one and a vanilla one that I really enjoyed and um we're not sponsored by them if they want to sponsor us they totally could because their stuff is delicious and all that it is is um five ingredients I think so it's water carbonated water I should say pure cane sugar I'm sorry four ingredients natural flavor, and phosphoric acid. That's it. Okay. Only 60 calories, so less calories than a soda, and they're delicious. I mean, basically, you're drinking, like, carbonated simple syrup, right, with some natural flavors in there, which I absolutely hate natural flavor on an ingredient list because you don't actually know what it is. Right. A lot of time it's, it's soy, so people like you um where soy gives you gas and myself as well um or like our brother thomas who can't have potato natural flavor like it it doesn't explain anything and so it could be a lot of different things anyway but the sodas didn't mess up my stomach they were delicious they're but they're six dollars for four of them for four 12 ounce bottles okay and you can buy a 12 pack of coke for less than that when it's on sale and so it was really hard because the the financial burden of making that transition then impacted my mental health okay and again people I understand yes I could just drink water I don't need soda but I was in a very stressful job I was already having mental health problems etc so some of the simple pleasures that I got out of life were like having a sparkling beverage I don't drink alcohol we've already Mm -hmm. established I smoke cannabis but if I want to sit down and have a refreshing beverage I enjoy something that's bubbly and sweet and it was expensive. So then I have a very strict grocery budget now, which is like $125 a week for a family of 4.5 is I guess what we'll call it. But (laughs) yeah, we have a live in boyfriend kind of situation right now um, with Mickey, who's part of not one life and he's amazing, but he's here a lot. And so we also have four animals. So between those, I count those as like five people. I was gonna say just count as five with the amount of animals that you have exactly so that's a hundred dollars 125 dollars a week that I give myself to shop for my family it's not a lot of money and so when I'm talking about spending six dollars on four sodas so I'm not even gonna get a week's worth of one soda a day out of that versus I could spend that six dollars buying two 12 packs of soda if I buy the you know store brand um 
to give to my family or for myself even and get me through almost an entire month at a soda a day. Mm-hmm. It was hard. And it impacted my mental health because I was choosing to spend more on my groceries at that time than just change my habits. I don't know. So it was like there's this additional financial burden and then I feel bad because I'm spending more money on myself. And then that turns into guilt, which turns into depression and anxiety. And Mm -hmm. it's like this constant kind of churn. And so ultimately. And that affects your gut. (laughs) That affects your gut. Exactly. (laughs) Then go back to the chicken or the egg situation. Yeah, exactly. And so but then it also impacts your relationships because people see that you're acting different or we would have game nights at somebody's house and they're like, oh, I bought your special soda. And it's like, well, thank you. But then they mention how much it costs. And it's like, okay, well, I'm sorry that my inability to not shit my pants and try to have some kind of normalcy in my life as an American that drinks sugary fucking beverages. um, Why are you making me feel bad about it? And so it was just kind of like, and not you, it was somebody else, but it's kind of just like this constant. I think the mental toll was worse than the financial burden, honestly, but it was definitely a huge financial burden. We're talking about increasing the cost of a soda by 200 percent so no and I have to say I'm the type of person where finances so in my household uh where it's just it's me Brian and our son James we are a household that have combined finances so we Mm -hmm. share an account and we've always been that way and but from the beginning, Brian likes to joke that I took over, which I can see that <laughs> being mm-hmm. true. I think the mom side of me came out. And, well, and I, that's sorry to interrupt you. That's how we were raised. Mom yeah. took care of the money. So I like, honestly, when Paul and I got together, I was just like, dude, look, the women control the money in this family. <laughs> that's how I learned. But he was well, grateful. He didn't want to do it. And not the same thing with Brian. Exactly. Like he like we when we started dating, like even before we got married and had James, like mm-hmm. other way around before we had James and then got married. Nice try, Sarah. Nice try. <laughs> before oh, Angel Halo. <laughs> Dad, you probably have him all like convinced. No, Dad, I totally was married before James was born. My two-year-old totally wasn't at my wedding. Right, you're imagining things. Yeah. Well, we just photo we just photoshopped him in later because we wanted him to be there, Dad. Um, no, before we actually like were committed, like we were committed to one another, but we were only dating. Yeah. Um, and we had just moved in with one another, agreed to uh get an apartment together and whatnot and that's when we combine finances and I I ultimately in my brain I was like we and I told him we should just get like share an account have our income come to one place and mm-hmm. then I'll take care of the bills like I it is finances stress me out so much that I need to be in control of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he was like, cool. Like mm-hmm. in, his, in his family as well, his mom takes care of the finances. So he was mm-hmm. used to it as well. And I think that's what made the transition like so easy for both of us. And, but I mean, it's to the point now where I am still in control of the finances. And so if we get into a financial situation where we're struggling I will start to freak out and I have already had like two panic attacks this year. Yeah. And just from finances, just from finances. And for some people that might not be a a lot. Um, but for those who don't have panic attacks, it is exactly (laughs) like for those who don't have panic attacks, like, Mm -hmm. yes, I, I have already had two and I'm pretty sure I can like, I'm getting close to another one here soon because the holidays are coming up. Yeah. Um, how's that song go? Low key fuck 2020. <laughs> yes. 
yeah. however that goes. No, but no, but so it's interesting. And this really maybe isn't the forum to talk about like financial management and how to do it, but I'll leave some tips in my blog because I actually did a budget program this year that I know I've talked to Sarah about and not created one. I attended one um, and I'll leave some information. But one of the things that it's talked about in that program is splitting finances, not not splitting where they're going, mm-hmm. but splitting up responsibilities and Paul and I are starting that and it's pretty rough because it's been 17 years of marriage um to go through this process but like I don't want to manage anything with the cars I don't like dealing with the cars I like having a car I like it to run right and I want my husband to take care of it like he enjoys it. And so we went through a process and part of this budget camp is like dividing your finances and dividing up responsibilities of your finances. So for me, my responsibility is groceries, which is a number like the primary responsibility that I have in this household is making sure we have food Mm -hmm. at all times that there are healthy options to be eaten and that I'm providing meals especially now that I'm not working like that is my role and I'm really enjoying that but I need money in order to do that and so I need to have a budget and be responsible for that well outside the house like the yard basically the sprinkler system needs to get blown out it needs to get turned back on we need maintenance on the garage we need to replace blah 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 bullshit some words I don't know You know, the computers are another thing. Like, I don't know when it's time to upgrade a computer. I don't keep track of trends on graphics cards or Mm -hmm. I just see games. I'm like, hey, that'd be cool to play it. And then Paul's like, well, shit, now we got to buy you a better graphic card because yours isn't good enough. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, and so those are his realms and he's responsible for the finances. And so when we come together We talk about it like we're the CEO of, I'm sorry, the CFOs of our specific areas within the company. So it's the Shelton family company or whatever. And I manage the inside household and he manages the outside household and we're the chief financial officer. So what we have is dedicated money that gets put towards certain things um, all in the same account. But he's responsible for staying on budget for his stuff. And I'm responsible for staying on budget for mine. And then all the bills come out of the bank automatically. And so that works nice in theory. The hard part is if you're spending outside of what your budget is. And Mm -hmm. so then it's like, then when you're reporting out, you have to have some very serious conversations. Um, So, but when you were going through this with Brian, knowing that you're the person that was handling the money and you're buying these new products, you were still trying to stay within your budget or you went outside of it. And were you talking to your spouse at that time or did that create additional issues? Yeah. So at the time I, I always keep him in the loop. Like he, it's not very detailed only because he has specifically told me, I do not want the details And the main reason is because it causes him stress and anxiety because he will see like he he understands or he what's the best way to put this? Um, He trusts me to know when this when the situation is dire or when the situation is good, bad, what have you. He just wants the high level explanation of where we're at or what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so he specifically requested that of me. And so I was like, okay, fine. Cool. I, that's your decision. I'm not going to want to cause you additional stress unless it's something that we need to go through. Like right. it's important. Right. And so, um, I, I, told him I the very first time I went grocery shopping for the diet I came back with all the food and I told him I was like I just went over like over our budget by a hundred dollars oh shit and that's big when your budget is three hundred dollars a month I mean that's talking about going way over 
you went $100 over budget on a $300 budget. Yes. So our budget is $300 a month. And um, at that time, when I told him that we went $100 over, like, yes, that's a lot. But we had cushion. Mm-hmm. Like we made sure that there was a gap um, between how much like bills and finances were to like how much money we have left over to play with, like our play money. So that hundred dollars just was taken out of our play money, which sucks, but it's that's life, you know that that happens. Right. right. So and it was like, like maybe it's not forever, you know. It's just exactly right. it, that, and that was the thing. It wasn't meant to be forever. It was only a temporary situation. Now we come to current where we are months later and last night I literally had to tell my husband that I could not buy him any more top ramen. Oh no. That he was like, well, we're running low on ramen. Do you think you can go out and get some more? I looked at him. I was like, no. And he looked back at me and he was like, what? And I said, you, the food that we have is the food that we have. So you're going to have to switch gears and start making sandwiches or something else because we are now in a financial situation where we can't even like go over our monthly yeah. budget. Yeah. Cause you guys bought your truck. Yes. We have for listeners, we purchased, we had to purchase a new vehicle, We had one before that was paid off and it was becoming a more financial burden where it had to be repaired constantly. So we chose to go in debt further. We're making payments on a new truck so that way we have multiple vehicles and only two, one for me, one for him. And the main reason for that before people get on our case is for emergency reasons. We're not defensive at all. The, I Today, know, I, are we? Damn. I this is how much finances affect me. Like mm-hmm. I, we're I all get, like worked up. You were sweating before we even started. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting worse again. I know. Yeah. I'm sweating just talking to you. I'm getting all like passionate. Uh, it's been a weird couple of days, people. <laughs> I just I I I always context is important. It is important and, and it totally makes sense to me, right? So we're we're in this weird pandemic situation. Sarah is at home, working from home with her son at home doing school. Yeah. Brian goes to work. What happens if James stops breathing? What happens if he starts choking? He breaks his arm. He falls down and hurts his arm I or something can't like that. Pay for an ambulance. Right. We've already established that. So <laughs> it'd be easier for you to have a car to be able to go there. Um Yes. And, and, you know, that could speak volumes and people, if you're in other countries, we can get an all into it about how like America has shitty public transportation and not enough social programs. Yes, yes, yes. And the fact that Sarah has to worry and I have to worry about paying for an ambulance ride is fucked up, but yep. it is the reality of where we're living and we're Americans. And right now nobody wants us. We've talked about moving to Canada. Come on, Justin Longpaws Trudeau. Let me in. I'll Please. be Canadian. Eh? I am a nice person. I'm not like your typical American. I right. And literally, we're like t- two hours from the border. We're practically yeah. Canadians already. So just let us in. <laughs> I know. I feel like this is the same kind of like conversations that Mexicans have when they're trying to get into the United States. It's like, come on, I'm just, you know, just let me in. Come on. Now. I'll work for you. I'll, I'll work, work cheap. <laughs> I'll do the jobs you don't want to do. Right. Just I do have in. skills, like <laughs> skills that are useful. Hey, we have insurance background. That's totally transferable. My husband works in the cannabis industry. Canada just federally. Fashion design. There you go. See, Canada, you need to step up your game because you're usually 15 to 20 years behind the fashion trends. I meant more the fact that I can sew for you. (laughs) Oh, she can sew? I can sew. (laughs) Also that. Uh, Okay, we digress. So 
that's our situation currently is yeah. that we're in such a financial burden that I actually am most likely going to get to the point here in the next month or two where I can no longer continue my diet. Mm-hmm. And I'm now going to go back to being sick. <sighs> we need to think. So join us next time because we're going to have to brainstorm some really creative ways like how to eat diet, how to eat a good FODMAP diet during the holidays and things like that without breaking the bank. Um, because I'm convinced with all of the deals that I've been finding and Sarah knows what I'm talking about. Cause I send grocery Marco Polo's to my family, like almost every week about what I'm buying and the deals that I'm finding. And I think that we probably could do something. And like we had been talking about before Sarah using your freezer food savers, Ziploc bags and using your food in ways that maybe you would think that you couldn't before mm-hmm. um, in order to actually use all of it and not throw anything away. Yeah. So, oh, I don't know. I have been very lucky that I pretty much can, you know, we've been able to buy what we uh, want in terms of groceries, but now this year everything's kind of changing. And so that's why we've really tightened our belt down to that 125 a week. And um, I have tried it briefly with my diet for two weeks and I went over both weeks over my budget. Yeah. By about $25. It wasn't a ton, but I also wasn't, snacking and eating like I normally would like Mm -hmm. it was very regimented and I can have this many tablespoons of this I can have this much of this and so if I have two tablespoons of this yogurt that sits well in my stomach and is dairy free you know it's not even yogurt whatever then this tub will last me two weeks you know what I mean it's doing Mm -hmm. that kind of math and then we get back to the are you developing weird eating habits and weird <laughs> eating disorders? I laugh very darkly. It's not because they're funny, but the, the irony of it. Um, but are you potentially really kind of messing your head up because of your relationship with food? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, like the things like that just make me worry. Yeah. No, same. I, I am right there with you. Awesome. So um, next week we are going to be diving into some recipes um, and how to make things taste good. And coming up after that, we will be having interviews with additional people um, out there in the world that have gut issues to talk in more depth about what they're experiencing, um, what their symptoms are, what they're doing to advocate for their health and really try to normalize a discussion about poop, about our health and how we're feeling. You'll finally get to hear other voices other than our own. Uh, I know, I know you'll miss the, just the two of us though, and our witty banter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, thank you again for listening and um, check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, where we do our game reviews, and head on over to natonelife.com to read more in depth about what's going on and leave us some comments. Let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about when it comes to your gut health. Yeah, and if you guys have suggestions or any other pointers, reach out.